Support for this podcast and the following message come from Hulu, presenting the original documentary series, Hillary, a portrait of Hillary Rodham Clinton, featuring exclusive interviews and footage from the 2016 presidential campaign. Hillary is now streaming only on Hulu. Wow, it is the end of 2019, you guys, the end of the mm-hmm. year. Yeah. And you know what we like to do? We like to ask our wonderful Pop Culture Happy Hour listeners for their help. We need you to support your local station so that you can support us. And you know, as I started to put this together, I realized something, which is 2019, big year. <laughs> big year. Hot I'm, take. I'm not kidding. You know, here's I want I want to read you just a few of the things that we did in 2019 right. on this show that we talked about that we helped our listeners, we hope, know a little more about. Super Bowl, Oscars, Tony's, Grammys, Emmys, Golden Globes, VMAs. That's just the events. Then you also have Marie Kondo, Masked Singer, If Beale Street Could Talk, Parasite, Dolomite is my name, Russian Doll, Captain Marvel, Pen15. Remember all that stuff about Theranos that we did? Sure. <laughs> remember the Metropolitan Opera, Booksmart. Are you guys happy yet? Do you remember what a great year it was? And you know what makes it possible for us to do this? You know who makes it possible for us to do this? Who, who does that, Linda? It's our listeners. It's the <laughs> listeners. They give to their local station, and you can too, at donate.npr.org happy. That's donate.npr.org happy. That way... We get to be supported and we get to beat all the other podcasts at NPR. And you know how much we love that. So go to donate.npr.org slash happy. Greta Gerwig was nominated for an Oscar for directing 2017's Lady Bird. She's following it up with an adaptation of Little Women that features two of her Lady Bird stars, Saoirse Ronan and Timothy Chalamet. Ronan plays Joe, the free-spirited March sister. Chalamet plays their neighbor, Lori. They're joined by Emma Watson, Florence Pugh, and Eliza Scanlon, along with Laura Dern and Meryl Streep. Gerwig also wrote the script, which makes some changes both to the story and the structure of Louisa May Alcott's book. I'm Stephen Thompson. And I'm Linda Holmes. We're talking about Little Women on this episode of Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. Here with me and Stephen in the studio is Glenn Weldon of NPR's Arts Desk. Hey, Glenn. Hey, Linda. And in our fourth chair, who could it be other than Weekend Edition Books Editor, Barry Hardiman. Hi, Barry. Hi. I'm so happy to be with all of you. If you're not familiar with Little Women, and I will say... I don't think there are Little Women spoilers at this point. Uh-huh. I think it is such a an old book, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. which was originally, by the way, two books, yep. a, a book and a sequel that came out in the late 1860s. It follows this family made up of these four girls and their mother who are home while father is off fighting in the Civil War. And then the sisters have various relationships and happenings and things occur. Stephen. What'd you think? The women are regular sized. Zero stars. Right, right. <laughs> All right. Barry, what did you think? <laughs> no, if, if I were an eccentric billionaire, I would just keep Greta Gerwig, Saoirse Ronan, and Timothy Chalamet on retainer. Mm. And then every year I would call them all into my mansion and I would explain to them that they are to make a movie in which Saoirse Ronan is steely and flinty and individual and determined. And Timothy Chalamet is a huge disappointment. And I would just say, go make me another movie just like that. Uh I am so in. I loved this movie from start to finish. My face just sort of leaked quietly throughout Mm -hmm. the film. I just loved swimming around with these characters. I am not necessarily a big Little Women person. I didn't spend a ton of time with the book. (laughs) I've seen 
uh, an adaptation here and there. I knew the basic contours of the story, but it is not etched into each individual strand of my DNA the way it is, I think, for a lot of the people who are going to flip their wig for this movie. Yeah. I just loved it, though. I think, first of all, I have loved Saoirse Ronan and basically everything she's been in. She is perfectly cast here. I think almost every single individual piece of casting is great. There is one piece of casting <laughs> late in the film that jumped out at me. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Seeing Bob Odenkirk as their dad didn't... But if you didn't know he was I, Bob Odenkirk, I think he was fine. He's fine. I, oh, God. I love I mean, I mean, love Bob Odenkirk. I think it's just... I think it's resonating with your that's someone else. You, <laughs> you see him in mutton shops and you just go to a Mr. Show place. I, mm-hmm. I, I really do. Yeah. But otherwise, Florence Pugh, mm-hmm. who was having herself a year, Ugh. she's also in Midsummer. She is Amy and just brings so many additional dimensions to that character. Because Amy is the youngest and she's often the kind of selfish, right. unlikable one particularly when they're young and, and she gets such an arc yeah. in, in this in this movie and her just her expressions alone I just really like it's one of those movies where by the end I felt myself having an emotional reaction to knowing that it was about to end and that I wasn't going to get to hang out with those characters anymore which is a reaction I have to just movies where they have done such a beautiful job fleshing out the characters all right thank you Stephen Barry, you, I you're, loved, you're squeaking with happiness. No, I actually, I, I, I love Steven's reaction so much. Like in some ways, his reaction epitomizes the thing that's so great about this movie because I do have little women etched into different places in my DNA. And I think the thing that's so great about this movie is that it's a great movie separate from yes. that. And Steven's reaction really, I think, it also makes me fall in love with Steven all over again. Aww. Anyway, while I do love Little Women, it is a book that... Um, and I love all the, and I actually love all the previous adaptations for different reasons. Mm-hmm. This adaptation is head and shoulders above every single one because it's also a great movie about something else. Mm-hmm. It is also just about the writing process. Yeah, about because Joe is a writer, and and yeah. it's and that is captured in the book a little more. And no, no movie it has yet really plumbed that the way that this has in a way that. I thought was just brilliant. What Greta Gerwig has done here is she's taken all the strands of all the stories and everybody, I mean, even if you haven't read the book, as Stephen was saying, you do sort of know these strands. Strands like Amy's terrible. Laurie's like, maybe he's hot. I don't know. All of those strands exist and she has reordered them Mm -hmm. in a very brave way. I actually got there just during the credits and I thought when I sat down, oh, I missed too much because they have reordered it to the point that it's actually maybe a little shocking if you haven't read the book, Mm -hmm. if you have read the book. But what it does is it allows each character's true nature to come through in a way that is so much more true, I think, to the characters that Louisa May Alcott intended. Right. I will tell you, Amy burning the book is something that has, like, lived in my soul. And every now and then, you know, I'll just be out, like, out and about and think, ugh, Amy. (laughs) You know, like, why did she save her? Like, why did she go back in the river? This is the first (laughs) adaptation or time I've seen this story told where I thought, you know what? I might have actually picked her out of the pond. This is the first time I saw who Amy was. And a lot of that isn't just about the amazing acting. And I am such a huge Florence Pugh fan. But it is also just about purely this structural change that is a fascinating thing to look over the top of, to be inside of. I watched it and I thought, oh, my God, my husband's going to love this movie. My eight-year-old child is going to love this movie. Every This is a great movie. Yeah. And I wanted just to, to sort of situate people a little bit in what she does structurally. Right. 
as we said, the book was originally two books, Mm -hmm. which is why it's made up of essentially two time periods. It's kind of a chunk of book that takes place when they're a little younger Mm -hmm. and then a chunk of book that takes place when they're a little older. And typically when you have an adaptation, it'll go and there are many, Mm -hmm. including the for a lot of people, I suspect, who listen to this will be the Winona Ryder one where she was Joe and Susan Sarandon was was Marmy and et cetera. And usually they'll just go in chronological order. You go through the young section and then you go through the old section. What Gerwig has done here is reorganize it so that you start essentially in the older section and then she begins to look back mm-hmm. on that earlier section. Glenn, what did you think of how this went? Well, I'd never read the book, never saw any adaptations. Uh, so I went into this knowing only two things. Well, three. One, it's not about large men. Got that from the title. And two, Christmas won't be Christmas without any presents. The first line of the novel. I learned a lot of first lines of novels at some point for some reason. And three, that at some point somebody burns somebody's novel, which is the act of a monster. Yeah. But it also <laughs> told you. me uh, that that this is that somebody in the book is a writer, and that kind of tensed me up a little bit because sure. writing about the writing process, uh, stories about writers tend toward preciousness, tend toward t- treating writing as more some kind of hallowed magical craft or something, and that had me worried. There is no preciousness in this film. I mean, there's some, but there's not what I was expecting. Not having read the book, I can tell this is a smart adaptation. Why? Because the dialogue sounds so natural. This this dialogue, much of it lifted straight from the book, is 151 years old, which is not far enough away to sound like poetry, mm-hmm. uh, Shakespeare, and it's not close enough to sound contemporary. It's going to sound formal. It's going to be yeah. stilted, which puts a hell of a lot of pressure on your actors to make it sound real. Uh, we're used to some stiffness in dialogue from period dramas, but there is none here. You can sometimes tell when it's something that comes straight from the novel, but right. I'm going to join the Florence Pugh oh. fan club here because she is, I think, the best at it on screen. Agreed. She brings this kind of clear-eyed intelligence that makes what she's saying sound considered, but not scripted, if that makes yeah. sense. You get a real sense that these are sisters. Uh, there's something about that flurry of activity in the house, the kind of musical almost noise that mm-hmm. constantly goes on. Uh, the time jumps didn't bother me because, you know, you're washed in a different kind of light, so you kind of orient yourself uh, very well. I, I dug it, dug yeah. the hell out of it. I, and I want to talk a little bit about, I'm so glad you mentioned that kind of raucous nature mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. activity in the house. It is very easy for a little women adaptation to become very... Very like, oh, mother, like to to, to Hmm. get like they're fun and they're having fun, but they're having a very angelic, polite kind of fun. Like, oh, I terribly want some breakfast like that. (laughs) It's very easy for it to Mm -hmm. get that feel to it. It is a house full of raucous girls running around having fun together. They're not as attached to flattening out kind of Meg as the older responsible one. Yes. And Beth as the angelic, saintly doomed one. and <laughs> Or Amy as the jerk. Right. They are much more able to kind of, these girls all have different shadings, but they all have a great time together and they all love each other and they all play together. And not in that sort of as I said, very polite kind of way. If you compare, I happen to go back and look at the scene in the 1994 adaptation with Winona Ryder uh, in which Claire Danes plays Beth as a very, and I, I adore Claire Danes, but it is the very pure-hearted, saintly version really? of Beth. If you go back and watch the scene where the girls are all kind of doing theater together, they've got a little club and they go up in the attic or wherever it is and put on little shows. 
It is, in this adaptation, such a fun, loud, sort of stomping, kind of just really adventurous. They're having a great giggly time. It's much more controlled energy in this 1994 adaptation. So what I really love in the Greta Gerwig one is they've really kind of let all of these girls be fun and interesting. They don't focus on the idea that Beth has to be some untouchable perfect saint in order for them to all have the emotions that they need to have about her illness. It's so funny that you say it because I actually this movie was sort of advertised not advertised somebody said to me oh I've heard they're going to rehabilitate Amy in this and to a certain extent what they do is they show you Amy in the right order so you can understand something Mm -hmm. about her but what they really do kind of is rehabilitate Beth not to the point of living. Her first sort of entrance is she's expressing you know I kind of wish I could eat this breakfast and not give it away Mm -hmm. You know, her shyness with uh, Lori's grandfather, it feels more like the kind of shyness that doesn't come with, like, and beatitude, but mm-hmm. more with a real pathology. Like, she feels real. And so as a result, you know, it's the first time that I, not the, now I sound like a monster, but it's the first time I was really sad yeah, to right. see Beth go. Well, it may, you know? a human being, you're always sadder to see yes. something bad happen to a fully rounded person, I think. At least that is our sensibility. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I also want to talk a little bit about the love stories um, Mm, in this, particularly the Joe and Lori, kind of the the classic problem with Little Women to me, and then I'll ask you guys what you think about how they solved this. The classic problem to me with Little Women is, and it's partly because it was two books, that you spend a lot of time building this relationship between Lori and Joe. And then she decides she doesn't want to marry Lori to Joe. So you get a kind of a, it's all build up and then kind of it punks out. And then in some versions of this, you get an older guy that Joe meets who is sort of a drip. (laughs) And they've made some changes to it here. Yeah, they have. Yeah, And And they are welcome. Yeah, and that I don't (laughs) want to spoil. I mean, obviously some of this stuff we're talking about 150-year-old spoilers. Mm -hmm. But this movie makes some decisions to upend some things and to subvert some things in really smart and contemporary ways where you feel you feel the hand of Greta Gerwig exactly the way you would hope to. It feels like the kind of thing that Louisa May Alcott, like it feels like the hand of Greta Gerwig's firmly in the hand of Louisa May Alcott. I think that maybe that was what she was trying to show us with the Fred Bear character. And I mean, this is the thing I always think of with these adaptations. There are some things that, you know, that react so well because you, you can stretch the fabric and not break it. And she this is a perfect example of that where she stretches it, but she doesn't actually rend the fabric of the story. And and as a result, I feel like it feels true to the author. I, I do like the fact that Laurie is allowed here to be kind of explored as they meet him kind of when he's a kid. And he's, yeah, and he's kind of a, a jerk. He's kind of <laughs> undeveloped. He's unformed because he's, he's He's Timothy Chalamet. That's yeah. Timothy Chalamet. perfect at being that. And and I think you get that sort of she's set it up so that everything that happens with him kind of makes sense yeah. and has a has a wholeness to it. Yeah, they give him they give him an arc. I think this movie is so beautifully cast that we have been talking about it for as long as we've been talking about it and not mentioned the name Meryl Streep. Yeah. They oh my de- god. They deploy right. Aunt March. Meryl Streep is Aunt March and 
you think like, okay, she's coming in and she's going to be like, ooh. And she does, but it's dialed down to the point where it really complements everything else that's going on in the movie. Instead of like, you've got Meryl Streep in your arsenal, Mm -hmm. they're not over deploying her. They're using her, I think, the exact correct amount. And it is sometimes Meryl Streep can take me out of a movie. That's a good point. Even though she is such a committed actor. This, I thought, was a really effective way to use her. Yeah, Yeah. I agree. And I think that Laura Dern playing Mm -hmm. Marmee was, for me, a really, a slightly different take on Mm Marmee. And I think it has to do with that raucous household of girls. Marmee has a little more joy to her in this version. She's a little less noble suffering than she sometimes Mm -hmm. can be. Mm -hmm. She can be sort of, you know, always around the fireplace fretting over, oh, my girls and all that Mm -hmm. stuff. Laura Dern has a real kind of, she enjoys these funny, weird girls that she's raising. And she's kind of the neighborhood mom who everybody mm-hmm. wants to, who kind of Lori's very attracted to the idea of the house mm-hmm. she's running. And you can see how the warmth of it is so welcoming to him. And you can see he's attracted to her, not yeah. just the, like, the raucousness of the house. Right. It's, but it's her he, in he likes her. Yeah. He likes and, and responds to her kind of mother mothering nature so there. so we we agree like two and a half stars <laughs> <laughs> there is so much I make them bigger this movie i mean i could do 20 minutes on just saoirse ronan and how, oh, I, how wonderful i think she is to watch in this how just you know she glows in the way that you want somebody to glow playing joe march without being precious or you know she's so appealing and i think chalamet is so good in this everybody is so good in this perfect I, deployment of tracy letts Oh yes. 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 yes, that's true. Uh, and you'll see who he is yeah. is playing when you see him. Uh, just loved it. Absolutely can I, loved it. Can I? You can cut this if you want. Can I do a PSA for moms that are trying to finish the book with their daughters before they see this movie? For sure. This is going to be controversial, and I will be interested to see who, who agrees and does not agree with me. But a, a good friend of mine with a perfectly aged daughter is like, "Well, can't go see it this Christmas season because we're still working our way through the book." And I said to her, "I said." Guess what? I don't think it matters. This is no. one of the like few times that I say, go see this movie because it will it will really sort of water the interest in the book in a wonderful way. So if you are, say, the the mother of a nine or ten year old girl or boy who is who you really feel attached to, let it go. Yeah. And go see this one. Yeah. Well, tell us what you think once you've had a chance to see the movie. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash PCHH or tweet us at PCHH. When we come back, it will be time to talk about what's making us happy this week. So come right back. Support for NPR and the following message come from Ally. You work hard to stay on top of the latest in pop culture. But does your money work hard for you or is it just being lazy? Make your money work harder than ever with Ally's new smart savings tools. Bucket your savings for the things that matter most, analyze your spending, and save automatically. All on top of a competitive rate. Because your money should work as hard as you do. For all things money, you deserve an Ally. Visit Ally.com for more info. Ally Bank, member FDIC. Support also comes from Zeus Living. For trips a month long or more, stay with Zeus Living for beautiful, thoughtfully furnished homes. Zeus homes feature kitchens equipped with the essentials, award-winning mattresses, and comfortable couches to relax on. Whether you're opening a new office, on a temporary assignment, relocating for a new job, or renovating, Zeus Living makes it easy to live where opportunity takes you. Find Zeus at zeusliving.com NPR. 
Welcome back to Pop Culture Happy Hour. It's time for our favorite segment of this week, and let's face it, every week. What's making us happy this week? Glenn Weldon, what's making you happy this week? Uh, Doom Patrol on the DC Universe streaming service is a show that I have held off on because it is based on my single favorite run of comics in history, the Grant Morrison run on Doom Patrol. Uh, Under his pen, uh, it became a very weird uh, series about these misfit superheroes who have strange powers and battle these kind of existential threats and it's just a kind of peyote weirdness at at its core that is just fascinating and constantly unfolding. I just thought TV couldn't capture it. And they don't, but they go off on their own direction and make it weird. It doesn't always work. The characters bicker a hell of a lot and that becomes kind of the entire show. But every so often, you know, uh, there's an episode set on Danny the Street who is a sentient genderqueer street that kind of can transport from uh, place to place around the globe. When I saw that happening, I I wasn't aware it was going to happen. Then when I saw it happening, it's like, well, this is my favorite thing ever here on my television screen. Uh, (laughs) So there's something about that. Also, Matt Bomer, who's going to complain. Sure. Uh, So that's Doom Patrol on DC Universe. Thank you very much, Glenn Weldon. Stephen Thompson, what's making you happy this week, Ben? A few weeks back, I got to interview Ben Folds at the Smithsonian, a wonderful singer-songwriter. He has a new book that came out this past summer called A Dream About Lightning Bugs, A Life of Music and Cheap Lessons. And the book itself is this very funny, breezy, endlessly readable collection of stories, each of which are kind of interwoven with little lessons about mistakes that he's made along the way. It is such a fun book. Once again, it's called A Dream About Lightning Bugs, A Life of Music and Cheap Lessons by Ben Folds. Thank you very much, Stephen Thompson. Barry Hardiman, what is making you happy this week? Well, it is the most wonderful time of the year, so that's making me happy. And I did try to tailor my happy to the subject matter of little women because I figured there's a certain kind of person listening, maybe, who's clicking on all all the Little Women things. I had never seen the 2006 Ruth Wilson, Toby Stevens, Jane Eyre. And I am a person that like Little Women. I've seen all of them. I've seen the Timothy Dalton. I've seen the Fassbenders. I've seen all of them. This one is amazing. You like it's a great piece of television. I wreck and it does something very similar to the Little Women, you know, that we've been talking about in that it has a very clever use of time and flashbacks in order to solve some of the real deep problems with the book. Uh (laughs) And speaking of those real deep problems that it solves, this is the sexiest adaptation I've ever seen. Everyone is fully clothed the whole time and it is incredible. This one is just a great piece of television. It's really perfect for this time of year because you know Thornfield Hall, it's cold, mm-hmm. it's warm, it's all the things. Go sit by the fire and enjoy it. And even and if you are one of those Mr. Roth, Rochester truthers that's like, well, he really wasn't that ham- handsome, get over it. Because just go watch Toby Stevens and, and enjoy <laughs> Well, and with ha- your where, eggnog. Where do we find it? So many places because I kept taking it to different places. You oh, can yes. find it on your Hulu. You can find it on your, uh, on your Amazon. You can find it on your Brit Box. You can oh, find nice. it in any of the places that you want to find it, just find it. I'm just I'm going to get Barry to say Britbox to me. Uh, I, okay. I want her to say Hulu. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you very much, Barry Hardyman. Uh, what is making me happy this week? I uh, This is not the happy part, but I was sick one day this week and I stayed home on my couch and, and just like tried to get well. And Netflix suggested to me the uh, British drama series, Dr. Foster. <gasps> 
And Dr. Foster is, there are two five-episode seasons. Uh, The first one came out in 2015, the second in 2017. The lead character is played by a woman named Saran Jones. And she is, she is a doctor. She is Dr. Foster. She is uh, a woman who discovers what she thinks is evidence of her husband perhaps cheating on her. And she goes down this path of trying to figure out whether that's actually the case. If you like Killing Eve, you will see young Jodie Comer before Killing Eve. This central lead performance is one of these really fantastic and weighty anti-hero performances that are mostly men in prestige television. At the beginning, she just seems slightly odd. But then, of course, she becomes more and more kind of obsessed with this idea that her husband is cheating. I found it so addictive and so just so watchable that I watched 10 episodes of it in one day. (laughs) And I just gobbled it up. It is a journey. It is wrenching at times. It is shocking at times. Uh, It is incredibly satisfying at times. Again, it's called Dr. Foster, and you can find it on Netflix. I loved it. All right. uh, And that is what is making me happy this week. That brings us to the end of our show. You can find all of us on Twitter. You can find me at Linda Holmes. You can find Stephen at I Dislike Stephen. You can find Glenn at G.H. Weldon and Barry at B. Hardyman. You can follow our producer, Jessica Reedy, at Jessica underscore Reedy, and our other producer, Emmanuel Johnson, at Emmanuel underscore Speaks. Our producer, Emeritus, and music director, Mike Katzif, is at Mike Katzif. That's K-A-T-Z-I-F. Mike's band, Hello, Come In, provides the in and out music you are bobbing your head to right now. So thanks to all of you guys for being here. Thank you. Thanks. And thanks for listening to Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. Look, we have to give you another reminder. We want to give you another reminder. Donate to your local station. That's at donate.npr.org slash happy. And we will see you all right back here next week. When you travel to a new place, sometimes it doesn't just change where you are. It changes who you are. Next on NPR's Code Switch, a story about travel and transformation. Listen and subscribe.